She said, well, preacher, still, I don't believe you do. She said, the oldest one standing there by the door, his name is Abraham. I said, oh, Miss Jones, you went and named him out in the Bible. I'm just tickled. Teeth totally plumb to dead. She said, the next to her, his name was Isaiah. I said, oh, Miss Jones, you went and named him out in the Bible too. I'm just so pleased. She said, the youngest to her by the far, his name was Barak. on that chicken leg I was eating. I said, now, now hold on here just a minute. Ms. Jones, I said, now how come it is that you named your oldest boy there, Abraham, out in the Bible, what was so nice, and you named the next in there, Isaiah, out in the Bible, what was so nice, but then you go and you name your youngest in there, Verily, which ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. Oh, I'm here to tell you, Ms. Jones got all hot up. She put her hands on her hips. She shook her finger in my face. She said, Preacher Skinny, I'm ashamed of you. You've been a preacher too. Said, Verily, give us two in the Bible. Ain't you never read that part where it says, Verily, Verily, I say unto you. <laughs> Took me a little while to get Ms. Jones to calm down something. My, but it's good to be with you folks. Sometimes I'm riding through them valleys and I get them all in for these mountaintops. Seems like up here among the pines and the poplars, I look around and I see all the wonderful things God has made and all of His beautiful works. And I get to feeling real good. Why, well, I could sit on the edge of one of these sure cliffs and drink in the beauty for hours. Makes me want to sing a happy song like, in God's green pastures feeding by His still waters lie. Soft in the evening walks my Lord and I all the sheep in His pasture fare so wondrously fine. His sheep am I. But then I get down there in them valleys. For all them big towns that sprung up. And I see all of them people are running around like chickens with their heads cut off, of, trying to grab up every penny they can and not caring one quick who they trample into the mud in order to get it. Just a sin and a tearing up everything God has made and a calling him progress. I feel like a stranger then. A stranger in a strange land. And I sing, I'm just a poor, wayfaring stranger, a traveling through this world of woe. But there's no sickness, toil, nor danger in that fair. Take nary a penny with them when they die. 
My friends, the Bible says you come into this world with nothing and you'll take nothing out of it. And when you come to the end of your road, well, them old valleys is going to look mighty, mighty lonesome. Ain't there going to be nobody there to see you through? It'll be like that old song, you gotta walk that lonesome valley. You gotta walk it by yourself. Ain't nobody else walk it for you. You gotta walk it by yourself. But now you don't have to walk it by yourself. If you've got the fellow with you that it talks about in the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And don't you forget that thou means God. I want to take a minute to talk to you about alcohol and strong drink. Now the Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. All you've got to do is look around you, see what it's doing to the young and the old alike, and you'll know what I'm telling you is the truth. <clears throat> now, early on in my preaching, I tried a few ways to get my messages across. I have since learned to let the good Lord pave the way and not try to do it firm. But be that as it may, I was holding a revival in a little town one time. It, it was the last night of the revival. And I said to my congregation, I said, Now my friends, I have been preaching to you for the last week on the evils of demon rum and alcohol. I want to end my revival tonight by doing for friends a little demonstration. See here that I have two glasses. One is full of water. The other is full of liquor. Look here, I also have two worms. See what happens when I wrap this worm in this glass of water. See how it wiggles around full of life. But notice what happens when I wrap this worm in this glass of liquor. See how it rides in agony and curls up and dies. And there was a little boy sitting on the front row and I says to him, I said, Son, can you tell me what you have learned from this sure little demonstration? And without batting an eye, he said, Yes, sir, preacher, skip, sir, I sure can, sir. I have learned that if an I don't want worms, I need to drink liquor. <laughs> no! No, 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 no. that wasn't at all what I meant. But we do learn from our mistakes, now don't we? Now I was uh, visiting a friend one time. He lived in the city. Now I don't like cities. No, they, they're too big. Just plain too big. But I was getting off the stage and I run into a feller and he told me that he was an atheist. He said he didn't believe there was no God. He didn't believe there was no hell. And he found out I was a preacher and he wanted to argue. He uh, snurled his nose and said in a mocking voice, he said, Now, Reverend, uh, if you can prove one thing to me out of that Bible of yours, it's true, well, I'll, uh, I'll read it cover to cover. 
Well, sir, I didn't do a thing in the world but just reach out there and grab him by his nose. He had one of them big red tomato type noses. I told you to And I pulled it a time or two and I twisted it and I didn't tell him it a time or two. And it started pouring blood and running down his shirt front and he starts jumping up and down, hollering for the shirt, calling me a religious fanatic. I said, now hold on here a minute. Feller, I said, didn't you tell me that if I could prove one thing to you out of this Bible of mine that was true, that, that you'd read it from cover to cover? I said, well, if you'll read in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 33, it says that a ringeth of the nose will bring forth blood. And he was just running down his shirt for the past time. I said, here, friend, I handed him my Bible. I said, start reading. Bible don't lie. <laughs> I've heard a lot of preachers talk about how they come to be saved. Some will say, well, I was just a boy. I, I was just a boy. And some will say, I was born into it now. I was born into it. But I'm here to tell you good folks that I was just flat out uh, knocked and scared into getting saved. Now, back when I was a young feller, I it was pretty rough. I chalked back her, drunk some of that moonshine, chased around after the gals. Seemed like it was all us a fighting. Like I wasn't feared enough, or so I didn't think. But one night I was coming back from a shindig, me and some old boys had been to, and all of a sudden, a big old panther jumped on the back of my horse. It scared that horse out horse reared up on his hind leg, throwed me over its head and tail right face foremost, flat on my back. I got up, brushed myself off, looked around, still ain't seen that horse. And I looked around and there was another panther, just as big, mean, and ugly as the others. Now there was a little tree on the side of the road and I went up in a hurt. And I combed out on the very tip of this swing. The only problem was that two painters know how to climb a tree. And they come up to this. And just when it looked like the end for old Amos Skip, all of a sudden the heavens opened and a bolt of lightning hit that tree, slid right down the middle, knocked me into the middle of next week. I got up, brushed myself off, looked around, and I'm here to tell you good folks, there is such a thing as a murder. Because I laid in two painters, deader than four o'clock, looking mighty cooked. And that tree was scattered all over the ground in pieces. And the only thing wrong with me was a pump knot on my head the size of a goose egg where a limb hit me when it fell out. Now I figured a situation like this had to have some help from Summers, and I'd best be getting back on the right track. And I did, and that's why I say I was scared and not in the now I've heard a lot of preachers talk about how they can cast out devils. Well, maybe they can. The Lord works in strange and different ways. Why? Well, Jesus cast the devils into the hogs. But I don't know if I ever cast the devil out of anybody or not. I sure enough did kick the devil out of the fellows one time. <laughs> yeah, he lived in a town where I preached a lot. 
He was the meanest man I believe I've ever seen in my life. He was always drunk. And when he was drunk, he was even mean. Well, one night he came into church, all liquored up, been drinking all day in his steam. He pulled out his pistol, marched down the aisle, started shooting the window lights out in the church. A, a piece of glass flew across the aisle and, and hit a little girl in the side of the head and cut her pretty bad. Now, when I see that happen, I know the good Lord didn't want anything like that going on in his house. And so I just politely marched down there. I took that pistol away from him. I grabbed him by his collar and the seat of his britches. And I proceeded to kick the seat of his britches all the way down to the river where I held him under until he looked. <laughs> now, the next Sunday, the man come back to church. But I expect that devil is still paddling down the holster, what did you think? Sure enough. Now, sometimes a person feels like they have to put on a big show or some kind of airs or front to get their messages across. Now, it didn't take me long to realize they ain't nothing to that. No, sir. I believe the women are right out there on the table for all the world to see and don't go a hiding under no bush. But I know a fellow one time, he was a preacher, and he felt like he had to put on some kind of show or something to get his message across. And what he would do, he, was go, he would go into a town and he would hold a revival all week. And on the last day of his revival, he would go into town, find him a little boy, give him a nickel, put him up in the rafters of the church where nobody could see him, and he'd give him a, a cage with a white dove in it. And, and then he would preach his sermon. And when he would get to the climax of his sermon, he would raise his eyes to heaven, raise his arms to heaven, and say, Lord, send down the Holy Ghost. And when he would do that, the little boy was to let loose the white dove. And it would fly all around the church. Everybody would think that it was a sign from heaven. They'd dance and shout and get saved and fill that collection plate to overflow it. And he liked that part. <laughs> and they'd all go home thinking that was the uh, best revival they'd ever been to of their whole life. Well now, on this particular time, he comes into town and preaches all week. On the last day of his revival, he goes into town, finds a little boy, gives him a nickel, puts him up in the rafters of the church where nobody can see him, and he gives him the cage with the white dove in it. And that night he preached and he preached and he preached, and when he got to the climax of the sermon, he raised his eyes to heaven, and he raised his arms to heaven, and he said, Lord, send down the Holy Ghost. But nothing happened. So he preached some more, preached some more, preached some more. He, he got back to the climax of his sermon and he raised his eyes to heaven. He raised his arms to heaven and he said, Lord, send down the Holy Ghost. But nothing happened. He took out his handkerchief and wiped his sweat, you know, because something right here. So he preached some more and preached some more. He watered that sermon all the way around, upside down, backwards, and finally got back to the climax of his sermon. He raised his eyes to heaven. He raised his arms to heaven. And he said, Lord, won't you please 
Send down the Holy Ghost. Got that kind of little boy stuck his head over the rafters and he said, Preach, sir. There's an old yellow cat up here dying it up the Holy Ghost. You don't need to throw down the old yellow cat. Yeah, times wasn't always happy. I lost a son back in 1848. He was killed by Indians. But I don't hate him. Those times was hard back then for both sides. Most of it was over land. You see, the white man was a break of every treaty they made with Indians. They tell Indians they live over here. Then somebody would come along and want that piece of land, so they try to get the Indians to move somewhere else. Well, after a while, naturally the Indians got tired of it and fought back. You see, the Indians had the right idea. They believed that the land belonged to God or the Great Spirit. To them, the same thing. Everybody used from it took from it, and put back into it. Then we come along and we took the land away from the enemy. We took away from the land. We kept taking away from the land. And very seldom, if ever, did we put anything back. All you've got to do is look around you and see what we've done to the land and you'll know I'm telling you the truth. Everything that man is exposed to is a gift from God. To be used if need be and to be preserved with infinite care until somebody does need it. Now the Indians believe that and they live by it. But we just never could see it. Well, things got bad. The Indians got to raiding isolated farms, stealing cattle, killing folks. One day they raided a farm and stole a woman and her three youngs. They got up some men from town to go after. Me and my boy went along because I wanted to make sure that there was as little bloodshed and killing as possible. We chased them for about 10 miles before we realized that part of them had doubled back. And that caught us in the middle. I seen my boy go down, but there was so much confusion I, I couldn't get to him. Well, after a whole lot of bloodshed and killing, we finally got the upper hand, drove the Indians off, and got the prisoners back safe and sound. Thank the good Lord. As soon as I could, I went to my boy. He was almost gone. Just had enough breath for a few words. He said, Paul, I love you and all, and tell little Jack to be a good boy. And then he was gone. He was just 16 years old. So young. So young. But I knew that God must have needed him up there more than we did down here, so you just have to shoulder your grief and go on. We spent the next few years trying to pull our lives back together, me and Maul and Jack. And then in 1861, that awful civil war broke out. Our son Jack went off to fight as a Confederate soldier for the South. Me, I kept on a farm and a preacher. 
I told you a heap of praying then too. Praying that that awful war would soon be over and our son Jack would be come home safe and sane. But that wasn't how it was meant to be. The war drug on and drug on and then one day me and Ma got a letter saying that our son Jack had died bravely defending the South. I was told where to go to pick up my son's body. It was a hot, dusty day when I got on the stage to go get my son's body. It was a beautiful day. The sun was shining bright. But there was no beauty for an old man's grief. An old man who had served God for most of his life and now had the only thing that mattered took from him. It would have been real easy then in my grief to have questioned God. But then I remembered the words of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And I realized that my grief, though great to me, was small in comparison. And so I threw all my grief into a song.
Thank God he died, a hero's death, there with the boys in gray. After <clears throat> losing one son already, the loss of Jack was more than Mrs. Skillet could take. She never was quite the same again after that. Oh, Lordy, there's, there's a lot of sadness in this old world. A lot of sadness. <clears throat> My friends, I, uh, I preached me a sermon one time on, on the church house. Now, when I first started preaching, I, I preached in little one-room churches, little one-room schoolhouses, uh, tents, brush harbors out under the stars. It didn't make no never minds to me because the Bible says, where a few are gathered in my name, there I will be also. And then they started building them fancy churches. Now, hold on, I ain't got a thing against fancy churches because it don't matter if it's the fanciest church ever was, or the poorest, plainest little church it ever was, if it ain't got two things in it, it ain't worth a hoot. Now the first thing it's got to have in it is God. And the next thing it's got to have in it is love for one another. And if it ain't got any two things in it, you might as well just pack her up and go on home. Because you all know as well as I do, that the church house is just a house. It's the people what are in the house that make up the church. And one of these days when old Gabriel blows that trumpet, the house is going to be set right here on the ground. But the people that's in the house is going to be called up. And boys, that's going to be a grand old time. Now would you stand and sing with me the first verse and the course of when the roll is called up young. <coughs> when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saints of earth shall gather over all the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll Like this, if I go out of the morning to feed my cows 
and they eat with one old cow there, I feed her anyhow. Well, the preacher took that as a sign to preach. So he drug him in church and, and, and he sat him down right here on the front row and he preached to him all right. Four and a half hours. <laughs> he preached to him. And when he got through, he said, What did you think, sir? And the old farmer said, Well, the preacher, it's like I said, if I go out of the morning to feed the cows, and they eat with one old cow there, I feed her anyhow. But confounded preacher, I don't dump the whole load out there to just one cow. <laughs> now I know when I leave this your church house, things some of you going to be a saying themselves. So. I'm glad I come and listen to old Lane Skillet talk. And I know when I leave this here church house, there's going to be some of you saying to yourselves what the whale said about Jonah when he see him standing on the riverbank. The whale said, I ain't swallowing that. <laughs> but it don't matter to me if humans believe what old Amos Skillets is telling you is the truth or not. Just as long as you believe what's in this Bible right here. Because that's what is the truth. And my friends, if I never meet you in this life anymore, I'll meet you in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore.